I could have benefited as a child from having permission from somebody who was bigger and, and was a, a stronger authority in my life to assert my own beliefs. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and I think as parents, sometimes we assume our child knows that they have that permission. So don't assume, go ahead and, and articulate that for them. Give them permission when they come to you with those kind of scenarios. Now, it might also be good to open the conversation about when that would be a good idea and when it wouldn't, because I know that our eight-year-old has tried to do that to teachers <laughs> when they have said something that, you know, doesn't really correspond with our values. <laughs> yeah. Which can, you know, be a little awkward. Hey, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing great. Good. Another frantic morning, mm -hmm. but I'm here. I'll tell you what, those, those kids are so much fun. How, I, I have a question. How would you describe a non-frantic morning? Um, me sitting by myself in a coffee shop. Oh, okay. So no kids. Yeah. I feel like that's the common denominator. When I look back at the past several years and I think about the moments that I've been really stressed out, it all has to do with the kids. No, I'm just kidding. There's wow. a, no, the kids are a source of joy in my life. And also struggle. And, and also struggle. But, but what is, what is joyful that isn't, that doesn't come with some struggle? That's you know? true. Nothing. What worth. is, what is worth Right. Nothing worth doing was ever easy. That's right. Yeah. I like that thought. Yeah. How are you doing? What have you been up to? I've been writing and brainstorming stuff. So I didn't, I, I usually log about between five and 7,000 words on Fridays, but today I was brainstorming a lot. So yeah. Five and seven mm -hmm. thousand. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, step up your game. I know. Slacking. Got to get it up to like 10 or 15. <laughs> yeah. I like what Charlotte just said. I, cause I, I say it like tongue in cheek when I talk about the kids being stressful and stuff. Yeah. I really, I'm just, I, I'm completely head over heels in love with our kids. Yeah. And I love what she said. I sure don't remember what made me laugh before I had kids. I laugh so hard. I've never laughed as yeah. hard as I have at our children. Yeah. And you also don't really remember what you did. No. This weekend when we didn't have anybody, well, we had the baby. We didn't have anybody else. And you and I were driving down the road. And I remember turning to you and just being like, what are we going? Because it was July 4th and we didn't do anything for July 4th because we didn't have no. any of the kids here. And we were so tired and just didn't want to go out. And I turned to you and I said, what are we going to do when we have no kids in the house? Are we going to be like the most boring people ever? <laughs> you know, honestly, I worry about that a little bit because I've heard, I've known people and I've heard about people who, you know, they, they're so, their lives are so engrossed with their children and then their children leave and go off to college and stuff. And then the couple no longer has that common point of interest and they end up drifting apart. Um, and in some cases divorcing. Yeah. 
So I don't. That's not going to happen. Yeah, but. I don't worry about that so much for us. But I'm I'm at least mindful enough of it that I that I'm thinking, okay, what should we, what should we prepare for, or how can we prepare for that? Well, unfortunately, it's not like like it wasn't. We got all all six of them at once. It's not a all six of them leave at once. So. Right. It'll yeah. It'll definitely be a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. But. So we'll be able to move into that like every other season of parenting. That's right. You ready to get into today's topic? Yeah. Dealing with outside influences and preserving your child's values. And this topic came directly from some feedback that we got from the newsletter. At the end of the newsletter, um, and you can sign up for that at intheboatwithben.com. But at the end of the newsletter, I have a quick note just saying, if if there's anything that you want to hear us talk about, please send me a message. I love hearing from listeners. So you can you can either go to intheboatwithben.com and click on the contact link there and get in touch with us, or you can sign up for the newsletter and then you can just reply the next time we send something out. But this was a, a great question that we got from one of the subscribers. She said, my husband and I are planning on starting a family in the near future. It's exciting to think about, but I find myself worrying about a potentially difficult situation with our extended families. We very much love our families and we want them to be a big part of our children's lives. However, we are also painfully aware that our parents and other extended family members adhere to family values that are drastically different from the values we have chosen to embrace. In fact, many of their values are in direct contradiction to the values that we hope to instill in our children. Mm. I would simply have a conversation with these family members and explain to them how we want to raise our children, hoping that they will respect our wishes. However, some of these family members are completely unreceptive to these types of conversations to the point that we actively avoid discussing our values with them. I openly admit that this is an unhealthy relationship. Do you and Rachel have any advice on how to approach this situation? Do we go on the offensive by approaching these family members even if it won't be taken well, or do we go on the defensive by focusing on the kids and their thoughts, or is it a mix? So I know that was kind of long, but that was a fantastic question. And so um, I wanted to I wanted to address that question specifically, but I also decided to expand the topic a little bit just to to talk about values in general mm-hmm. and outside influences. Yeah, because there are also outside influences once your kids go to school and, you know, lots of other places. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think probably the family stuff is the most, um, I guess, tender is the word that I would use. That, and you have to be the most cautious about those kinds of things. But Yeah, and, and when I think about the different types of influences the the family one is definitely the most difficult to deal with because there's really no recourse for ignoring the values in, in that you see in culture or the values that that come from media you know there yeah. those are those are easier to deal with but but there can be relational ramifications mm-hmm. when you're dealing with family and and family related values yeah so I want to I want to take this kind of from the beginning and work our way toward the family and then other influences. In the beginning, it's it is very important 
uh, even before you have children to define your personal values. And we're going to talk later about the value of defining your own values, being the one who is in charge of what you believe instead of subscribing to somebody else's values that they imposed on you. Mm -hmm. But in the very beginning, it's really important to define your own values. And in episode one of this podcast, we talked about the steps that you can take to define and practice your, your own family values. And so that's definitely worth going and giving a listen to. Yep. At uh, in the boat with Ben.com slash one. You can listen to that one. But the, the bottom line here is that you, you need to define what those values are in order for your kids to learn them. You can talk about them, but the most powerful thing you can do is to demonstrate and practice those values daily. And this doesn't necessarily mean getting a list of your values and trying to figure out ways that you can demonstrate those things every day. But that's just to say that the demonstration and the practice of those values is going to speak volumes louder than anything that you say to your children. Right. Yeah, definitely. Actions are very important for teaching our children how to internalize those values. And if, I mean, if you think about it, when you have somebody just telling you what values are and how they should have these values and they don't see you living those things out, what kind of message is that sending to them? Yeah. Well, so when I, when I look at our children and I see the places where their actions and their behaviors aren't lining up with values that we've told them are important to us, I can almost always tie that back to some inconsistency in the way that I practice those things. Yeah. And it's really important to be honest about those things too, because we're always, the values aren't in place. I think we said this in episode one, but the values aren't in place to give us this impossible standard or this, you know, standard of perfection. They're they're in place because we're constantly growing into those values. And so they, they begin to mean different things to us over the years. Yeah. So defining, defining those and, and demonstrating and practicing those things is what's going to help your child build a framework for their own personal values. Now, when you're talking about family values, the reason that you have personal values is because you believe these things are important. You believe that life is better when you live out your values. Right. And, and not only is life better, but it also protects against danger and harm in some cases. And so it's, it's very important in the beginning for our children to have a set of values, even if it isn't completely their own, which they're, you know, early on, they're not capable of when they're, when they're very young, they can't really make those decisions and determinations for themselves Mm -hmm. at some point. And it's different for every child, but at some point they have the ability to think more critically about those values, Mm -hmm. about where they come from, why they're important, not just, oh, these are important because my parents say they're important. You might recognize a time when your child is starting to come into this ability to think more critically because they're asking more questions because maybe they're being a little bit rebellious. You can, you can recognize that. And and that's actually a really good thing because once they turn that corner 
to being able to have a deeper understanding of those things, that's when they can begin the journey of developing their own set of values. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit later on about why this is important, but backing up in the beginning, there is kind of this tendency as parents to want to put this protective bubble around our kids mm-hmm. and the influences that are the easiest for me to say, oh, I, I definitely want to protect my kids against those things are things like media and, and pop culture. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see, when I see certain things or I hear certain things, I think, well, okay, that's, that's easy. That's not in line with our values. So they're not allowed to listen to this. Mm-hmm. That's not in line with our values. So they're not allowed to watch that. That's not in line with our values. So we're not allowed to go there. And there is some, there is some value to creating those boundaries. But at some point, it's also good to burst that bubble. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you start taking them and, and exposing them to things that are in direct contradiction with your values. But you, you start to slowly allow some of those outside influences into your child's world so that they can begin to wrestle with those things for themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I did want to say too, before we move on real quick, um, that for, for me personally, family values isn't so, or or establishing family values isn't so much for the purpose of making sure that my children take on those values so much as it is for the purpose of teaching them about those values. So it's teaching them what honor looks like in the way that we act. It's teaching them what love looks like in the way that we act. And it's, it's teaching them what forgiveness looks like. And so I try to use a lot of different opportunities to do that. So if we've just watched a movie and, you know, something happened in there that wasn't a very honoring situation where kids were making fun of each other or whatever, I'll turn it around for them and say, do you think that so-and-so was being, you know, their actions were honoring this other person and try to help them develop the language for that so that they know what it looks like, because then they can decide more for themselves. Do I want to be an honorable person or do I want to be the person who makes fun of other kids? You know, yeah, because kids I, are, kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And I think they know what will make them feel the best and it's not making fun of other kids. Yeah. And, and that, does go to show you a lot that sometimes what we see in the world, particularly values that we disagree with, sometimes that's a result of not having been exposed to anything different. Right. Um, they were so consistently exposed to a single set of values that they never considered another way of doing things or another way of living. And so I, I really like this distinction because it really isn't about let's give our children these values so that they can experience the same kind of joy that we do Mm -hmm. because of these values. But the reason that you're able to get joy and get fulfillment out of living from those values is because they're values that you've chosen for yourself. Right. I don't want for my child to be an adult saying, okay, I, one of my values is this, but I don't really know why, you know, I, I want for them to, to be fully aware of the reason why they chose that as a value. And, and chances are, if you're demonstrating your values and you're doing that consistently, you're practicing your values, your child is probably going to grow up with a set of values that is very similar to yours. Right. Yeah. But you do 
you do want it to be theirs. Mm-hmm. You you want for them to own those values, mm-hmm. their their own set of values. So so that's kind of thinking long term, and and I I wanted to have that as an idea we hold in our minds because the the end goal of our children choosing understanding different types of values and choosing for themselves what their values are going to be having that in mind while we talk about how to mitigate some of these other outside influences is going to really help us to have the right approach mhm so i want to talk about family first now i have this as the last point here but i really want to bring it in first okay the relationship is always more important than the issue. And a healthy relationship is one where there's open communication and there's acceptance. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't always go both ways, but if you're doing your part to maintain a healthy relationship, that is going to support your own set of values in the, in the eyes of your child. So for example, to, to answer the question that we got in this feedback, I would say there is a mix of both going on the offensive and going on the defensive. Mm -hmm. What the offensive looks like is opening the lines of communication and saying, Hey, I know that we disagree about this, but I want you to, I want to, to tell you about my values and describe them to you so that you understand me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there, it takes some courage to do that because yeah, if you, if, if there's a possibility that you'll be met with disgust or, or, or possibly even hurtful words, you might want to avoid that conversation. But mm-hmm. I say, I say it's better to have it and to be open. And, and that's, and that action is in support of a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And so go, you know, go at it from that angle. Say, I want to have a healthy relationship here. Even, even if we won't agree on the same things, I want us to at least understand each other mm-hmm. because if we can understand each other, even when we don't agree and still be accepting of one another and still have open communication, we're going to have a healthy relationship. Yeah. I just wanted to tell a story real quick about when we first started doing our family values and we for a long time had been uh, just, well, we got rid of our cable and we did all of this stuff and we started building our home around creativity instead of television and gadgets and those kinds of things. Yeah. And I worried a lot about what would happen when they went to family house their uh, you know the family's house and how we would maintain that that value of pursuing creativity instead of sitting in front of a screen and i finally had to just let that go because they're not always in that situation you know what i mean yeah. they're they're not always at a grandparent's house where they can watch a movie so they they can see the benefit of it even though you know, the screens and stuff are super addictive. They can see the benefit of what they come up with to do here at our house because we allow that environment and and they can see the difference between those environments. Yeah. 
And I'll, I'll kind of jump on the opposite side here. Maybe, maybe your child goes to your grandparents' house or goes to their grandparents' house and they come back. And let's, let's just say, for example, you are a family that, that values not having a lot of screen time in favor of creativity. And what if your child comes back and, and they just feel frustrated and, and bitter at the fact that they don't get the same kind of freedom with screens at home that they do when, when they're with their grandparents. Well, yeah. And our kids have said, our oldest especially said things about it. So that's, that's kind of a difficult thing for me because I understand, I understand the value. Mm -hmm. Um, But at a young age, it's difficult for them to understand that value. And so one thing that you can do if you want to go beyond just enforcing that value for your children when they when they come back wh- whether it's for screens or some other issue when they come back and and you can tell that they've been exposed to something that's different or or in conflict with your own values i would start a conversation mhm yeah and ask them what they think um yes. maybe i'm sorry go ahead sorry i was just going to say sometimes when our oldest Jaden will say something about, why don't you let us watch as much TV as my friends get to watch or this certain TV show or whatever. I'll take him over to the little, I have this box in our closet that just has all of his, the books that he's written already yeah, and stuff. And I'll just pull it out and tell him, do you see all this stuff that you have created? Do you think that you would do that sitting in front of a television screen? And he kind of gets this look on his face like, I really don't want you to be right, but you know, (laughs) but it's kind of just reminding him like that. I mean, I don't know. You know, at some point, and this is, this is more a theory than it is something I'm prescribing, but uh, something I might want to test out on our children when they get older, I might want to give them the freedom to express a value that differs from one that we've been trying to instill in them. Yeah. So, so to, to say, okay, go ahead and, you know, watch as much TV as you want because I want them to not just, not just hear me talk about the difference, but I want for them to experience the difference. I want them to experience what effect that has on their creative output because unless they have personal experience, uh, or, it really it just comes down to this unless they can make a personal decision about why that value is important to them mm-hmm. and and why it's their value they're going to have trouble living that out consistently in the future right and so i i don't i don't want to be super strict about tv rules all through their childhood for them to become adults and because they felt so squeezed and, and they didn't have room to make that determination for themselves, <laughs> they, they go the opposite yeah, way. And, and they watch TV all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and you got to admit, sometimes we go on these peels as adults mm-hmm. where we don't, we don't necessarily agree with a certain set of values and behaviors, but we do it almost out of rebellion against the pressure that we felt as children and and young adults to subscribe to a set of values that we didn't choose for ourselves. Yeah. And so I, I just, I want to be really careful with that. And that's ultimately where we're, where we're going, but 
we'll get there. Yeah. So having, having that conversation with your child, and I, I really like this approach of not trying to guide the conversation in a, in a particular direction, but just asking them questions. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. And, and letting them start to describe their thoughts and feelings. There was a question earlier in the chat from Brandon. He said, how much of owning those values can you expect at younger ages, four to seven? Mm-hmm. Really depending on, I mean, certainly very young children aren't going to be able to have very complicated conversations. Everything's kind of black and white for them anyway. Yeah. But at, at various ages, there are various levels of comprehension. And so, so for a four-year-old, you may be able to ask them questions and get some basic answers, but they can still begin to form their own thoughts about those things. At seven, it's a little bit more complex and they can they can add some complexity. They have some life experience that they can kind of run through that filter. Mm-hmm. And so the, the practice of having open communication and asking questions instead of sitting down and having a, having a talking to, you know, cause kids zone out when you give, when you give kids a lecture, you've already lost their attention. Yeah. But when you ask questions and you're having a conversation and you're practicing that regularly, you show them what it looks like to, to be engaged and they get used to that and they start to welcome that into their lives. And mm-hmm. that's what, that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And furthermore, for the, the family thing, I would say don't make it about the other people or the other person. Don't make it about the issue that you disagree with. Ask them your questions. Let them talk about it a little bit. And then go on to, if you, if you want to, describe why your value, the, the one that's in conflict with the other one, why you ha- say, I have this value because, and, and show them what it looks like to own your own value. Say, I, I own this value because of this. And then demonstrate that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about local culture and media. So because of our value around screens and that kind of thing, our children are not as often exposed to commercials and advertisements and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But, but, but <laughs> it's a big, but it's, it, it really is. Unless you, unless you live in a bubble. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. No matter where you go, um, there, there are billboards, there are magazines that are sitting out in waiting rooms. It, it's on the radio. It's on television. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube commercials. The, the culture and the values that are expressed through multimedia are, I would say for us, often not in line with the way that we think and believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So I go back to what I said earlier I think it is really important to protect your children against things that you think are going to be harmful for them mm-hmm. as values. But I also feel like it's kind of this fading out and fading in thing because they're not always going to live in a world where they're protected against values other than their own. Mm-hmm. 
So there's, there's kind of a resilience that you want to help them build to where those things that they see in culture have to run through a filter first before they get to have any influence on the way they think and feel. Mm. And, and that's what, that's what advertising, I'm kind of, I'm kind of targeting, uh, targeting marketing and advertising because of how powerful those things can be. Did you know, this is an aside, Okay, but uh, before the 1980s, marketers and advertisers were not allowed to market toward children. And now that's like the biggest marketing audience for advertisers. Yeah. It was like, it was illegal for them to market to kids. In In a lot of families, if you control the kids, you control the parents' wallets. That's a scary thing for me. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm, I'm targeting this whole marketing and advertising thing because it's not just, it's not just people sitting in a room thinking, oh, okay, what would be the most compelling, but there's, they're doing scientific studies. They're trying oh, yeah. to come up with, okay, how do we, how do we get past these filters mm-hmm. and influence people's behaviors? And, and I, I don't want for, I don't want this for myself. I don't want this for my children to where when they're exposed to something, it influences the way that they behave without allowing them to wrestle with it first. Mm -hmm. And so, so in the beginning, while I do want to shelter them against those things as they are exposed and, and maybe as I kind of pop that bubble a little bit, I don't, once you pop a bubble, it goes away. (laughs) Maybe Maybe it's not a bubble that pops, but you poke holes in yeah, it. Yeah, you're slowly, <laughs> yeah, you're slowly making it leak air. You're, yeah, you're slowly letting letting a little bit more in. I want to be proactive about having conversations with my children about those things as they experience them. Yeah, I think when I when I think of all of this, I think about the toys. And you and I just recently, because the kids were away, we went through the playroom and weeded out a lot of the toys that are unnecessary because they can just seem to take over a house. And we know from scientifically proven fact that when kids are exposed to a lot of stimulation, like a lot of different toys, they start losing the ability to make good choices. And um, because they're so stimulated, they don't really know how to choose. And so... That's and part of our value system is I, I simplicity. To, yeah. I wanted to say something here too, because, because of where they are in their development, mm-hmm. they don't have the same ability that adults do to tune out a lot of that noise. Right. So you, you think about you're driving down the highway, you're listening to the radio, there are billboards and maybe somebody's got a screen on somewhere you think about all of that stimulation as an adult, you've learned to really just shut all of that stuff out and take in only the important pieces of information. Mm -hmm. Now our children are capable of doing that, but they're not as good at it. Yeah. And so they just don't have the same ability to filter all of that stuff and to know what to block out, to know what not to pay attention to. And it can get overwhelming. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't recognize that. And so the thing that they see is when we're going through toys and we're trying to get rid of some because there are just too many, 
what they see is, oh my gosh, my parents are getting rid of my toys and I love these toys and I play with them all. And even if they haven't played with them in a couple of years. And so sometimes it gets pretty just dicey, I guess, because you can't really engage that conversation because they don't understand the complexity of that psychological, you know, the, just what happens psychologically when you have too much stuff. Yeah. And we know what happens. And so we are able to reduce, but they, you know, every time they go to the store, they want a new toy or something. And it doesn't matter how many times we've told them no, or how many times we've said, well, if you get something with your money, then you have to give something else away. They only think of, I want something new. Yeah. You know, they don't understand there's, the value behind that. There's a big drive for that in culture. And, and I, I would say that instead of just talking about it directly, trying to have that complex conversation with your children, look at your own life and are there, are there things that you do or things that you say or ways that you behave that are consistent with the value of we, we value things. So if in its simplest form, it's we value things. And so when things are taken away, it makes us, we feel upset. Yeah. And, and so I know for myself, I like to say that I don't value things, but then if something happens to my computer or something happens to my favorite coffee mug mm -hmm. or somebody spills something on my shirt and it stains it. How do I respond? How do I react in front of my children? What is, what are my actions and my behaviors telling them that's different from what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that to accuse you of, or, or to say that that's what you're doing, but that should Wait, be are the, you talking to me. No, I'm, I'm saying, audience? I'm oh. saying in general, cause I've gotten, upset about a glass breaking yeah recently yeah poor, recently poor yoda, poor yoda. <laughs> we had a yoda glass and it got broken mm. it was sad anyway the force was strong with that one. <laughs> it, it actually bounced twice it, the, the on glass, the tile the glass bounced twice if i had if i had sacrificed my body and, and dove for it. I probably mm -hmm. could have caught yeah, it. Yeah, you could have, but <laughs> yeah. So no, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I wasn't pointing at you, Rachel. I was just saying in general, but that's the, that's the first place we should look instead of, instead of trying to point fingers at other things, we should say, okay, is there anywhere, uh, in my own life and my own behavior that my children might be picking this value up? Yeah. But I also feel like that's another force another cultural force that comes in that we have to sort of battle against, you know, because they're exposed to all of these things at school and then they come home and they either want to watch these shows or they want to buy this toy or they ask, I, I know the eight year old has been asking, why don't I get a phone? All my friends have a phone. And I'm like, are you freaking crazy? <laughs> yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of going into another area of, of that local culture is our our children's peers who they interact with in school and, and the, and the people in culture that they look up to or admire. And so this was, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring this question in from Sharla. 
when you know your kids are playing with kids who have different values, how much do you prep them? For example, they don't believe the same things about blank as we do, so you need to be respectful and not expect to agree with them and discuss it afterwards. And how often do you let them come to you with it? Oh, gosh. So we've just kind of gotten into the whole playdate thing where the parent is not there. So the eight-year-old and the six-year-old have recently gone by, over to... By the parent is not there, meaning we send... Meaning, meaning we're not there with our child, yeah. but the so, other parent, yeah. So the other, the other parent right. is there. Yeah. So, so what we do is we have the other parents sit down with us, interview style, and we ask them a series of questions no. about what they believe in. That's actually not what we did. No, so the, the first play date, they came home and were talking about this movie that they watched and they I think they had baked cupcakes or something like that and all of the and so the, it's totally different than how we run our home, you know, yeah. because the kids don't usually get treats and they don't watch TV. And so we didn't, I mean, we, I don't think we even thought about talking about how the people, you know, what, what kind of values their friends have and stuff. Yeah. Can I, can I just go ahead and tell you what my thoughts are about yeah. this? So where, where the values may not necessarily line up. So for example, they were having a sugary treat. And where at our house, we might give them a uh, fruit uh, salad or something like that. Yeah. Are we going to be those lame? I know. No, I'm just kidding. Well, yeah, um, probably. So I don't, I don't feel it necessary to bring that up and to have a conversation with my, my children about something like that. That's, mm-hmm. that's maybe a couple of degrees off of something that, that is a value for us. Um, Whereas if there's something that is, that really comes into conflict. Right. So maybe they, maybe they watched a movie and the movie had a lot of violence or, right. Or they play a violent video game or something like that. That's like complete, that's kind of a line that I draw. Yeah. So, so in any case, what I would, what I want to start out by saying is it is good for our kids to be exposed to values that are different from those of their family. And it's kind of like the, the multimedia thing. There is, there's this bubble that you want to build in the beginning. You want to create a foundation for them for understanding values so that, so that you have the ability to explain your own personal values and why they're important for you. But you also want to fade out of instilling those values and kind of fade in, start allowing these other influences to come into your child's world. And it's hard because you want to protect them against things that you think are going to be harmful for them. Mm-hmm. But they also live at home. And while they, while they live under your roof, they are still going to be to some degree, even, even when they're older subject to your personal values, because you're the one who's in charge of them at that point. But they are also most exposed to the people living out those values. Yeah, that's, which that's is true. So very you do, valuable for them. You do, you do have that to your advantage, but I, I don't want to think about it in terms of how can you protect your values in your children? Yeah. It's, it's really more about when they're exposed to the values of other people, 
it gives them an opportunity to see something that's different and it creates contrast. And, and sometimes what happens is if we're overprotective of our own values, our children feel squeezed. Mm -hmm. And because they've had that contrast, they run to something else that they've been exposed to. And they say, well, I don't want to be squeezed. I want to choose my own thing. And so they choose something for themselves that, that maybe is, is even potentially harmful. Right. I don't say that to scare you. I just say that to say that I've experienced that for myself. I did the same thing. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen other people do it. And so I think one of the ways that we can avoid that is allowing those ex external influences and then opening up a conversation just yeah. like, just like we did with the multimedia. Say, what do you think about that? I will say that there are some lines that need to be drawn. Um, like know the parents, you know, know like when you're, I think one time my mom called us and asked if we would be comfortable letting the eight year old watch Percy Jackson and you and I kind of talked about it and felt like it was a little bit too scary right now. Yeah. Him. Not that he wouldn't be able to watch it eventually, but I think that there, there still need to be some lines that are drawn in the interest of protection. Yeah. And, and so your, your child, depending on their age, you, you know, your child better than anybody else does. And so you should be able to make those determinations, know how much of how much external influence to let in. And certainly do do the things that you must in order to protect them against potential physical harm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm saying this stuff under the assumption that you feel comfortable with, with these other people that they're spending time with. Yeah. Whether it's peers or family, you, you know, they're not going to be in physical danger. Right. Um, but they may be exposed to a set of values that is different from yours. And in that case, my approach is, is the same. Instead of trying to protect your own set of values and, and talk to them about it from that angle, ask them questions and, and give them a little bit of room to think for themselves about what they've experienced. Yeah, I think any opportunity we can give our kids to critically think about the values that they're living out and what they're exposed to is just, it's really beneficial because there's nothing that's going to going to make them internalize something more than working through it on their own. That's right. So, so I'm, I'm actually very much in favor of over time increasing that outside influence so that they can be exposed to those things. I, again, not exposing them to things that are going to harm them, mm -hmm. but to, to things that will allow them to create their own contrast and come to their own conclusions about why a value is important to them. Yeah. So going beyond local culture, I, I wanted to share here just real quick that I think there's a great deal of value in exposing them to the greater global culture. And what I mean by that is certainly within within your own local area, wherever it is you live, there is, there's kind of an overarching national culture, if you will. And then there are pockets of subculture. And even, even within those subcultures, there, there's a very wide degree of difference between what any given person will believe. Mm -hmm. But when you allow your child to be exposed to basically other worlds, 
So say, for example, you live in suburban America and you allow your child to experience what life is like for somebody who lives in a culture that doesn't have a strong economy, doesn't have a quote unquote solid governmental system in place. You know, them being able to experience that other culture widens their worldview. And that gives their personal values that much more context and that much more power. Mm -hmm. And so a couple of ways that you can allow your child to have those experiences by letting them go on mission trips, um, taking trips with them to other countries. And it could be that even in your own national area, there are cultures that are so different from yours that it allows your child to experience something that's completely different. Mm -hmm. And again, I just go back to the idea that that contrast is really valuable in helping them and, and that contrast and then giving them room to think through those things for themselves is really valuable in helping them solidify their own beliefs. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is let your child's values belong to them. Set the foundation for them in the beginning. Help them understand the importance of defining and setting their own values. But ultimately, give them, give them the room that they need to determine those things for themselves so that when they become adults, they can live out their values with the confidence that they need and, and being accepting of who they are. And I also, I also want to add this, just going back to the whole family thing. If you're a parent who has an older child, maybe one that's about to graduate and go off to college, don't make the issue more important than the relationship. I'm going to say that again. Don't make the issue more important than the relationship. All right. Sorry, I... Just wanted to let that one sit for a moment. Mm-hmm. We have a couple of questions. Okay. You know, this was one from Charlotte that I could have brought in earlier, but I'll go ahead and bring it in now. Okay. She asks, if you know your kids are very strong in their beliefs, how do you encourage them to be gentle about it and not to push it on others? Two of my kids are very vigilant about how healthy they eat to the point that I worry they might make others feel guilty or that their parents would be afraid to feed them. <laughs> yeah. I, so I don't we, want them to be arrogant or rude. We have a kind of a funny story about that. When the, when our second son was uh, five years old, he went to my mom's house for the weekend and she pulls out, you know, box cereal, which we don't really eat processed food or anything. And, and whenever she was about to pour him a bowl, he said, Oh, I don't eat anything that was made in a factory. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, she, she was shocked because we hadn't had this conversation because we thought, you know, it's only for the weekend. It's not a big deal. But she and I had to have the conversation about, you know, what does that mean? And, um, and since then, you know, they've, they've actually chosen to eat in a healthier way, but this is, it's, it's a hard line, like trying to not make your kids be so vocal about it. Maybe it, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to know what you think. So I actually 
feel like it's, you definitely don't want them to be rude, but one, it's an, it's encouraging that they hold so strongly to something that they would be willing to right. say something and not feel self-conscious about that. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would allow myself to feel happy about that for a moment. And then I would further reinforce the idea that, that your child's values belong to them. They have ownership of their values by reminding them that other people have ownership of their values. And in the same way that you don't try to impose your values on your children, you protect them against other people imposing their values. You, you want your children to understand and protect other people's rights to choose their own values. And so, so I guess the, the fine line there is it, it's a value because you believe it's important Mm -hmm. and it brings you joy and you want other people to experience that same thing that you do. You, when other, when, when you eat healthy, your body feels good. You're able to have, you have more energy. You're able to do more things. You want other people to have that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unless, unless that other person, any, anybody in the health profession, somebody who coaches other people and, and tries to help them lose weight or, or work out or something like that. Any of those people will tell you, unless a person chooses for themselves, that it's, that that is their value, right. that it's something important to them. They're not going to change. It's not going to work. Yeah. What they do. And it, it's, it's hard to, I mean, this particular one is honestly, I'm just being transparent here, but it's very hard for me to not be, um, I just, I guess just vigilant about telling other people about it because I know what a difference it's made in our lives. You know, I I want my parents to live longer. I want my family to live longer and I know what eating the right foods can do for you. And so it's really hard for me to not impose that on, you know, the people in my life I love. Yeah. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with, with sharing those things out of love, but it really, it really has to be in the context of a relationship. And yeah, that's another, definitely. That's another thing we can, you could encourage your children to, to understand that the amount of trust that somebody has in them. And I guess I don't want to talk about this just in the sense that your children are being evangelists for their own values, but, but really that the relationship that they build with that person is the foundation for anything else that they try to impart mm-hmm. in terms of values. Mm-hmm. So if there's not a strong connection there, it is going to come across as rude and arrogant. Right, exactly. When there's a strong connection, when there's a, a strong foundation of relationship, it's going to come across as loving. Even if even if the other person doesn't agree, it's going to come across as loving. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I'll go ahead and bring in Brandon's question. He asks, how do you give your child the confidence to live out their values in the face of peers who may not share them? Saying no to certain kinds of play or ways of addressing each other while at play dates or on the peers' home turf. So essentially, what if what if the friends that your child is hanging out with are they're doing something that goes against your your child's values? How do you give them the courage to stand up for their values. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is, this is a tough one. I'm not sure that we've had an experience where our child has come to us and said, 
our, our friends wanted to, my friends wanted to do this, but I didn't want to. And, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how often children are, are our children experience that, but then maybe don't talk to us about it. Yeah. And this is where I'd say having, having that open communication is really important. You're, you're definitely not going to be able to avoid your child being in that situation. Mm -hmm. And it may be that the first time they have an experience like that, because you can't anticipate every situation before they go to school, you can't just sit down with them every day and say, okay, somebody may you know, <laughs> tell you to do something or, or, or invite you to do something that doesn't align. You know, you, you've got to, you've got to trust them to see that for themselves and experience that discomfort and then be ready to, and, and, and have those lines of communication open so that you can have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess I guess it's not exactly the same, but when, when I can tell that Jaden's had a bad day, I'll, I'll probe a little bit and I'll say, Hey, I can, you seem kind of upset. What's wrong? And, and just that question is enough for him to open up a little bit more. And yeah. then I, and then I get to ask more questions and I, I get to let him tell the story of what happened, how he responded to the situation and and then I get to come alongside him and and teach him. Yeah. And so, being being a good listener is important. Um, having those lines of communication open, and then one thing that I I feel like I didn't experience a whole lot as a kid, but what's really powerful is when you give your children permission. When you say, when you tell them, oh, it's okay to say no. It's okay to if if somebody's you know, pulling your arm and trying to pull you towards something, it's okay to shove their arm off of you. Mm -hmm. I could have benefited as a child from having permission from somebody who was bigger and, and was a, a stronger authority in my life to assert my own beliefs. Yeah, definitely. So, and, and I think as parents, sometimes we assume our child knows that they have that permission. So don't assume, go ahead and, and, articulate that for them, give them permission when, when they come to you with those kind of scenarios. Now it might also be good to open the conversation about when that would be a good idea and when it wouldn't, because I know that our eight year old has tried to do that to teachers <laughs> when they have said something that, you know, doesn't really correspond with our values. <laughs> yeah. Which can, you know, be a little awkward. So I'm a little bit okay with that too, though. Well, yeah, I am too, but school is not. <laughs> so <laughs> they could wind up in, you know. That's, that might be another great Sitting question. by themselves at the lunch table, which is what happened to our eight-year-old. <laughs> what, if, what if defending one value causes you to come into conflict with another value? Yeah, it's a good one. So def defending one value against a teacher might harm another value that you have. So, so there's kind of this value hierarchy <laughs> that you have to develop too. Yeah. So complicated. Who wants family values? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Rachel, where can people go to find us online? In the boat with Ben.com. That's right. If you go to in the boat with Ben.com, all of our episodes are there show notes, and you can also sign up for, the In the Boat with Ben newsletter that goes out every Thursday. 
please sign up for that. We, we want to be in contact with you. I always write a personal note that I send to people along with the content that we send out. Oh, that's special. Yeah. So you're not, you're not just hearing from, and I was thinking about this earlier today. Every once in a while, we'll get a question that we're not necessarily going to address as a podcast episode or something like that. But I want to, I want to be able to share those little things with you too. And one of the ways that you can get those is by being in the newsletter because I can put those things in there. Mm-hmm. It's just extra, extra value for people who subscribe. So sign up. And when you sign up, when you read that little paragraph at the bottom where I say, if you have any questions, please reply. I mean it. I mean it. Don't, don't just think, Oh, somebody else will, you know, ask my question or I don't, Maybe this is a silly question. No, I want to hear from you. Yeah, we read every question. Yes. And sometimes you ask me about it. Sometimes you're just like, well, I'm confident enough to answer this on my own. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is in the book with Ben, not Rachel. No, I'm (laughs) getting into the practice of sending those on to Rachel too. Hmm. One of the ways you can help out the show is going to in the boat with Ben dot com slash iTunes and leaving us a positive review. I don't have one ready, but but next episode I'm going to read one. We've gotten some really great, encouraging reviews. Um, one, it, it helps people decide whether or not they want to subscribe and listen to the show. So when you leave a positive review, you're helping somebody make that choice, which I think is great. And it's also really encouraging for us. We love reading reviews. So if you haven't done that yet, go ahead and do it one of the really big ways you can help this show out is by going to seanwest.com slash community. The show and the things that we talk about are influenced heavily by the interactions that we have with people in the community. They're just amazing people there who share a lot of these same values, but also add some nuance to the conversation that is really needed. And so I, I honestly feel like this show is not as valuable without the input and the interaction that we have with community members. And you can have that daily for yourself and help out this show by going to seanwest.com slash community. If you want to find Rachel, you can go to racheltolson.com. That's where all of her writing lives. Mm-hmm. You can follow her on Twitter at Rachel Tolson. You can find me at bentolson.com and Follow me on Twitter at Ben Tolson. Thank you guys for listening today. Thank you. And we will talk to you next week. I'm forgetting this, but when this episode goes out, will not be next week, but it'll be the following week because of the sabbatical. Oh yeah. So in, in the last episode, 
I should have mentioned something about that. So I need to get, I need to get the timing down right on that. But uh, for those of you who are wondering what I'm talking about, every seventh week, the Sean West network, the whole network, everybody has a week long sabbatical. That means there are no new episodes, no shows, no blogs, no anything. And the reason we do that is because we believe that when we take intentional time away, it helps us to be that much more productive and focused when we are doing our work during the other six weeks. Yeah. So, and I'm going to, I'm going to link to this in the show notes where Sean talks about small scale sabbaticals. It's just a really phenomenal idea. And it's something that we are striving toward with our own family. Mm-hmm. Wanting to make that a part of our regular Wait, like experience. Letting the kids stay home from school for a week. No, and that wouldn't, <laughs> I mean, would that feel like a sabbatical? Uh, no, not really. I was going to share this story uh, uh, in the podcast, but I figured I'd wait until the after show. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's, I guess, sort of encouragement, sort of funny, but uh, whenever our oldest went off to kindergarten, I would, I mean, we had just gone through all of our family values. And so, of course, when you first go through them all, you're pretty zealous about you know, sticking to them. And one of our family values is we care for ourselves and for the earth. And both of those things in my mind are connected to eating healthy because, you know, when you eat the right foods, it's farmed correctly and it's taking care of the earth at the same time. So um, the school though has this rule that when kids have birthdays, they bring, it, it can't be homemade goods. It has to be store-bought you know, the, the really sugary store-bought stuff yeah. that you don't really want to read the ingredients to know what's in it. And so m- the first year of public school, I asked the kindergarten teacher to send me a list of all the birthdays so that I could prepare my own treat that my son could take to school and eat it while the kids, you know, the other kids were having these cupcakes or donuts or whatever. And um, it was pretty crazy. And I did it for the first year. I mean, I was preparing all of these extra things. And then when the second boy went to school, I was like, oh my gosh, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to keep it up. There are 25 kids in each class. That's like 50 times a year. I'm, (laughs) you know, baking these things. And the first birthday that came in my eight-year-old's class, he came back home and he was just like, oh my gosh, my stomach hurts so badly. And I said, well, that's weird. Did you have anything differently to eat today or anything. And he said, yeah, there was a birthday party and I had like two donuts and I, and I kind of asked the question, well, do you think, and he said, yeah, I think it's probably because I ate all that junk. (laughs) And it was heartening for me to, you know, hear him say that because he's, he was getting it, you know, like he's getting the reason that we do it is not so that we can be mean parents and deprive them of, you know, fun treats, but it's because we really care about the way that our bodies feel. And, and I want to say, I want to say heartening because he's understanding our reasoning for having that, that value, Yeah. not necessarily heartening because we want him to take that value, you know, our value on for himself. But, but really, again, it's, it's just about understanding why and being able to use those reasons as a part of the process of deciding for yourself. Well, yeah, because when we first 
did our values. We were asking our kids input and stuff, but they didn't understand, you know, the reason behind a lot of those. And so whenever they start understanding the reasons behind those, it's kind of a victory type. I mean, if, if in the future, when Jaden is an adult, eating donuts brings him joy. Yeah. Then I don't, I don't want to be like, Hey Jaden, I thought your value was, you know, I, no, we won't be those kind of people. Of, yeah, of course not. Eating donuts brings me joy. Yeah, but it wouldn't if you did it every day. <laughs> I don't know. 